continue in the scripture I was in last week. Uh, it's a short passage of scripture, and I'm just going to stay there. I want to just dig a little deeper into it. Um, I'll, I'll touch on a, some of the things I, I shared last week and uh, try to dig a little deeper with it. It's Psalm 92, and I'm just focusing on the final four verses, verses 12 through 15. Um, Psalm 92, 12 to 15. I'll, I'll weave some, some other scripture into it a little bit. And um, it's this is a, a, a word for, for the church, for the, the body of Christ together, for all of us together. And, and that's fitting because um, Psalm 92 actually was written, and y- you, can, you can see it in your Bible, um, under, the, uh, under the, the number of the psalm, it usually <coughs> will tell you who wrote it and the purpose for which it was written. And Psalm 92, it says a psalm, it's a song for the Sabbath day. So it was actually written for the Sabbath day as a song for the people of God to, to, to enter into together. Okay, so, it's so it was something for the whole body, for the family of God. And uh, going on down to verses 12 to 15, we, we highlighted verses 12 and 13 last week a little bit. I want to just um, go back through, through some of that a little bit. So I'll read, read it, and then we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit more. Verses 12 to 15, and I'm reading from the Amplified. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, and that's be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Growing in grace... They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of the sap of spiritual vitality and rich in the verdure of trust, love, and contentment. They are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So I want to just, with verse 12, beginning there, the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. That's just so much in that in that in that statement. So, so much. And I you know, I'm sure when, when the psalmist wrote this, he did not know or see into the full ramifications of what he was writing. Okay? Uh, um, there's just so much here that applies to us uh, under the new covenant today as the church, as the body of Jesus Christ. And when the psalmist wrote this, he couldn't have known. But the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. The righteous, those who have been made right with God, placed in right standing with him. We discussed last week, we, fo- we made a focus about righteousness as a reality in Christ, right? That God has made us righteous through the work of the cross. It's nothing that we produce in ourselves. It's, it's, it's all it's all based in what Christ has already accomplished for us and given us freely, all right? And so we've been made righteous, all right? The scripture is very clear that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So righteousness is to be received with thanksgiving as a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Uh, Paul speaking to the Roman church, said that if by the transgression of the one, speaking of Adam, Adam's sin, death reigned through that one, 
much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So righteousness is to be received as a gift. Um, and, uh, you know, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, speaks of righteousness as, as uh, he's, re- how he's rejoicing in the Lord because he's covered me with the robe of righteousness. All right? So it's, we, we receive righteousness. We receive the righteousness that God gives us through the sacrifice of Christ, through what he accomplished for us in the, at the cross. And we talked a little about that last week, about how really for us to walk in victory, it's so vital that we live in the continual consciousness of that and, and really stay centered in the finished work of the cross, all right? Um, in order for us to walk in victory, right, having that continual awareness um, continually leaning, if you will, on the truth, on the truth that we've been made righteous through what Christ has accomplished for us. This is so important, all right? And and so important because if we're not living in that continual reality that God has already given us righteousness and clothed us with the robe of righteousness, what will happen is we will lack confidence before God and we'll try to produce our own righteousness. This is something that humans have demonstrated over and over and over and over again. All right? To try to produce one's own righteousness is, is, is something that any human, apart from an understanding of the work of the cross, will fall into. Okay? That's what self-righteousness is. And this is where so much of, you know, religious baggage comes from, okay? You see, um, in, uh, I was just in my devotion time uh, the other day. I've been kind of reading through Romans, and um, I read these words. Paul was speaking to the Roman church. He said, you know, what shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not follow after righteousness, they didn't seek salvation by right relationship with God, have obtained it by faith, a righteousness given by God, based on and produced by faith. Whereas Israel, though ever in pursuit of a law for the securing of righteousness, right standing with God, actually did not succeed in fulfilling it. For what reason? Because they pursued it not through faith, relying instead on the merit of their works. They did not depend on faith, but on what they could do. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. You see? As it's written, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. But he who believes in him shall not be put to shame, nor have nor be disappointed in his expectations. You see, relying on the merit of their own works, what they could do, that's self-righteousness. Okay? But we've been made righteous. And so um, we, the good news, you don't have to provide your own clothing. I mentioned last week when Adam and Eve fell, what's the first thing they went to do? They hid from God. They hid and they put on fig leaves. And God called them out, where are you? He knew where they were. <laughs> that, qu- that question was for them to ponder, not for God. God wasn't, God wasn't playing hide and seek. He knew where they were. They were hiding. He said, where are you, Adam? They're hiding. And they're wearing fig leaves. And God's like, sorry, no. And he, he, God went and slew an animal. 
and, and clothed them with the skin of the animal. That was actually the first blood sacrifice right there, okay? That, 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 that atoned for their sin, um, uh, covered it temporarily, okay? Then he clothed them with it, okay? Um, but the, what, so what's the idea here? That we can't, we can't cover ourselves with our own righteousness. We have to let God clothe us. And so, right, so, so Isaiah says, you know, I rejoice in the Lord for he's clothed me with the robes of righteousness. Um, Jesus tells a story of a man at, at the wedding feast. He's telling a parable of a, uh, where the, the king had a wedding feast and he sent his servants out and went all around and said, invite everybody to the wedding feast. And everybody comes in and there's this big banquet hall and it's, it's, it's you know, speaking of the last, that, that, that wedding feast, that last great day. And the king comes in to look at the guests and sees one who's not wearing a, a, a wedding garment, a wedding robe, you see. And the king saw the man not wearing a wedding garment and he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without putting on the appropriate wedding garment? And, and the king threw him out. Wh what's that all about? The man was there trying to, basically was saying, no, I'll wear my own clothing. I, I'm going to clothe myself, you see. But that's, that's not going, that, that's not going to cut it. We need the righteousness that God provides, okay? And so we talked a lot about that last week. So back to Psalm 92.12, all right? The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. That could be rendered, where it says the righteous, it could be rendered as those who rest in and receive the righteousness that God provides, or those who walk by faith, okay? Abraham believed God, and God credited to him as righteousness, okay? Those who walk and believe by faith, okay, will flourish, all right? Those who don't try to figure it out and sort it out on their own, all right? So we will flourish as God's righteous children. We will flourish. The Message Bible says, uh, puts it this way, that uh, the righteous, good people, <laughs> okay? Um, and the Passion Translation says, look how you've made all your devoted lovers, to flourish like palm trees, okay? So good people will prosper like palm trees, good in the goodness of Christ, <laughs> okay? And, and so he's made us to flourish like the palm tree, okay? I want to camp around that for a moment, that we will flourish like the palm tree. There's a lot there. They will flourish like the palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. God very intentionally draws a comparison here between the, between the righteous and the palm tree and the cedar of Lebanon. Now, I, I did a little search. I shared some of this last week. Palm trees have multiple uses, right? They can produce, they're used to produce uh, oil. Uh, it's used in cooking, in recipes, lumber, woven materials, food as a food source, coconuts, dates. Uh, a the cedar in Lebanon that, that is referenced to here uh, can grow to over 100 feet in height, and they're very long-lived. They live for hundreds of years. Uh, palm trees in Scripture represent a place of refreshing, okay? In Exodus, as Israel walked through the wilderness and they, they were thirsty, and, and, and they, they'd been wandering through dry wilderness, and the scripture says they came to a place called Elam, 
where there were springs of water and 70 palm trees. And they camped there and they were refreshed. All right, so the scripture is very deliberate when God says the righteous will flourish like the palm tree. Okay, long-lived, stately, upright, useful, fruitful. Okay, that's the comparison he makes to, for, for, uh, to us as we are plant as we are as we walk in righteousness and as, as we're planted in the house of the Lord. And so that's verse 13. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree planted in the house of the Lord. They shall flourish in the courts of our God. Uh, the Message Bible says, transplanted to God's courtyard, they will flourish. I want to talk about this for a moment. I think planted in the house of the Lord. Um, this really points to a yieldedness, to a humble submission, all right, to God and to his purposes, to letting God plant you where he wills, okay, trusting that he has our best interests in mind. It's really a trust issue, okay? Um, the, there, there are two, I, I, I want to reference for a few moments just yielding to God's will, okay? Um, because this really, th this paints a picture of a, of a yielded heart, all right? Planted in the house of the Lord, okay? Flourishing in the courts of our God. There's, a, there, there's got to be a willingness of the one being planted, okay, to, in, in a sense, allow God to plant them where he wills, all right? You say, allow God? Yeah, I, very deliberately, because God, you are not puppets on a string. God does not violate our will, okay? And there's a couple of elements to God's will. I was just studying this a little bit, you know, his will be done as in when we pray, as and as when we pray, as Jesus taught us to pray. You know, we pray, Fa our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, that, that word there, did a, just did a little search, and this is, uh, I'd urge you to, you know, use Blue Letter Bible once in a while um, when you come to a word that stands out in the scripture, all right, and really study the meaning of that word. Um, if you prefer, just get a Strong's Concordance. If you want to use, uh, if you want to use, you know, actual paper, get, get a hard copy. But I'd encourage you to do that because uh, taking the time to study out some of those words, it's loving the Lord your God with your mind. Okay, God says you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think sometimes we de-emphasize loving the Lord with our mind. Okay, well, our head knowledge. Well, yeah, you, you need some head knowledge, okay? You, we need to love him with our mind, okay? And taking the time to look some of these things up is loving him with our mind, okay? And so, um, I was just looking this up. And where it says, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done, that word there is thelema, thelema. And that means the wishes, the desire, the pleasure, the will of God. So that... That's speaking of God as a father, his wishes, his desire, his good pleasure. And so when we pray, your will, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're praying, Lord, let your desires, your wishes, let, let your good pleasure be done in me and in the earth. Okay? There's another element of his will, and it's a, the word bolema, which uh, 
is Ro- in, Paul refers to in Romans when he, when he says, he, he poses the question, who can resist God's will? Who can resist his will? And that's the counsel or the purpose of God, okay? It, using the same word, will. Who can resist his will? But it's a diff- completely different meaning, okay? It's the word bolema, which is, which is his counsel or his purpose. It's speaking of his divine counsel and purpose, which he's going to bring into fulfillment in the earth, whether you cooperate with him or not. <laughs> okay? So there, there's, a, there's a trajectory that everything's going, that God's going to accomplish whether you and I cooperate or not. You're invited into what he's doing. We're invited in as his people to what he's doing. You see? He, he, he graciously, as a loving father, makes us his children and invites us into his family. See? But there's... There, there's there's, there's the bolema of his will, his counsel, his purpose, which he's going to accomplish, okay, whether I participate or not. But then there's the fatherly, hey, son, daughter, I want you with me in this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I want you with me in this. I really want to plant you in the soil of my love, in my courtyard. I, wanna, I want you to flourish in my house, you see? Okay, so there's thelema and there's and there's and there's there, there's 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 those two elements of his will, okay. So and uh, it's important to know to know the difference, okay. Um, God is seeking those who will, out of love and honor for Him, freely respond to His to His will, as in Your will be done in me, Your kingdom come, Your will be done in me. Those who will freely respond out of out of love for him okay and so his will his desire his good pleasure his wish is to plant God's people together okay not in isolation you see that planted in the house of the Lord they shall flourish in the courts of our God or in his courtyard okay if you look up the courts, the courts, that's an enclosed yard, a hamlet. It could even be referred to in Strong's Concordance as a village. Okay? So, and I, you know, I know from working at Bangor High School, we have a courtyard. The courtyard's a place with multiple plantings, lots of plants. It's outside. There's plants all around. There's pathways. And it's a place for people to go and to be, you see? So it paints this beautiful picture of a place of fellowship, a place of fellowship. Well, where did we see that early on? In the Garden of Eden. It was the place of fellowship between God and humanity, between us and God and and one another, the place of right relation, you see? It's the garden. It's the garden. And that's what this is getting at. God's wanting to bring everything back to that, back to the garden, you see? And what's our role right now? Okay, we're participating with Jesus for the restoration of all things. No, not for the judging of all things. We're having a good conversation. I was having a good conversation with Maynard earlier, right? <laughs> you know, um, you know, the, you know. I- I- if we're not centered in the cross, we get we we get off in these in these 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 weird tangents about you know about about God judging everything and judging. You know, judging, judging this, judging that. He's going to judge this nation. Going to judge that. Going to judge this. And and the problem with that is it's a failure to see that in Christ, um, at the cross, God, Father 
Christ drank the full cup of God's wrath, and the judgment, all of it, Christ absorbed it all into himself, okay, that, that, there, be, that there be no more judgment, okay? The only, the only judgment on that great and last day is that, that will separate people from God is they wanted their own will, and God, who does not impose on our will, let them have it, okay? But, you know, uh, the, so, so, so important that, 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 we, that we recognize God, God as a father wants to restore all things. And that's ultimately where this is headed. Okay? He's going to restore. But we're, we're participants in that now. Participating with Jesus in that restoration. Okay? And so there's this beautiful picture of the righteous flourishing like the palm tree, like in that Elam place that Israel came across with 70 palm trees all planted together. That's the picture. It's not some... It's not some little sandbar with a singular palm tree and someone shipwrecked there. It's, it's a picture of this flourishing courtyard with, with the plantings of the Lord. Okay? And so um, last week I shared uh, something else about the palm tree. They grow best in full sun. Okay? This backs up what I'm saying. They grow best in full sun. All right? God desires that to plant us in the light. Okay, in the light, not in shade. Shade or shade representing darkness. Darkness is isolation. Darkness is isolation. And uh, I, I shared this also last week. A pastor friend of mine in New York who I used to talk with a great deal, he said to me, you know, Stuart, you don't want shadows in your life. You don't want shadows in your heart because that's where Satan lurks. Satan lurks in shadows. Satan lurks in shadows. We want to be in the light, Right? If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, so God's purpose in all of this, that we, that we are the planting of the Lord. All right, Planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Isaiah refers to it in Isaiah 61. He says we'll be referred to as the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified, or for the display of his splendor. So really, what is the purpose of all of this? It's, it's, yes, it's restoration. It's restoration. It's, it's fellowship with God and one another. All right? That, and what is God, you know, what's God's intention in all of this? What's his intention? His intention for, the, for, for, for planting us together in families, in households, in marriages, bringing us together as the body of Christ. His intention is to show forth his glory and his splendor in the earth. To show forth his glory and his splendor in the earth. Um, I read this um, just, just this morning. I was studying this out a little more. And in, um, in, Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, beautiful picture of it. That he raised us up together with Christ and made us to and seated us in heavenly places with him. And he did this that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace and his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? You see that? God desires to 
to, 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 to showcase, if you will, okay, his people. He wants us, he, he, he plants us in the light that we might show forth his glory, his goodness, his kindness. You see that? And so this is the blessed life. God wants us together. As I mentioned, that's why we that's why we've been talking about this so much and urging each one to to come and let's you know let's let's fellowship all the more as we as we see that day approaching. And uh, so verse 14 and 15. Speaking of this blessed life as the planting of the Lord. One lived out <coughs> in fellowship with God and each other. Growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Look at that. L look at the blessings in verse 14 if you have your Bible. This is, this is, this is just the blessing of the Lord. Still bringing forth fruit in old age. The blessing of, of yielding to the will of God, yielding to the desire of the Father to plant us, okay? Yielding to his will and his design. Here's the blessing that's in store for you, all right? And when we just trust him, that he really has our good at heart, all right? This is, this is the good that comes about, all right? By yielding to yielding to his to his heart, yielding to his desire, it says we'll bring we'll still bring forth fruit in old age. I think that speaks of usefulness, right? fruitfulness, still bringing forth fruit in old age. You know, not being just washed up with no hope and just a sense of, you know, waiting to die. Just kind of counting the days till you leave this earth because you feel you have no purpose anymore. No. No. That's not, that's, not, that's not God's heart for anyone. Still bringing forth fruit in old age. Usefulness. A life filled with purpose. This is um, another, another, uh, another promise. They shall be full of sap full of sap, that's spiritual vitality, spiritual vitality, youthfulness, full of sap, full of life, full of vigor, full of joy, rich in the verdure, what is that? that to be very green, uh, verdure is lush green vegetation, okay? So, so there's a rich in the verdure of, of trust and love and contentment. As opposed to what? As opposed to being burned out, angry, bitter, hardened by life. You see that contrast? You see? If we will yield ourselves to being planted where God wills, in the light. You see? It goes on to say that those who are the planting of the Lord are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright. All right, living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. 
He is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in him. I, I see those words living memorials, you know. I think of, I think of, um, I think it speaks to us as individuals and together that it speaks of our, our lives being that are, that are, that give hope to others, pointing others to God, pointing others back to our, our good and gracious Heavenly Father, pointing the way back to the Father, all right? You know, and I, I just want to say, I mean, think about the world for a moment. There's really a, a hole, I think, in the heart of humanity um, that can only be filled by the love of our Heavenly Father, all right? And um, instinctively, instinctively, human beings will seek to be fathered by something. And where there's, where there's just been such a, vac a void of fatherhood, the world has sought fathering from you know, government structures, political parties, online influencers, you know, all of our favorites that we follow, religious institutions, looking for someone or some structure to give us hope and confidence that really can only be given by the love of a father. You see? And so what's God's picture? What's his purpose in all of this? In planting his people in the house of the Lord that we would flourish in the courts of our God Growing in grace, remaining green, tall in stature, healthy, and you know, living memorials to show forth the goodness of God. What are we doing? We're pointing the way back to the Father, to a good and kind and benevolent and loving Father. I think we all should start thinking. You're just never too young to start thinking. You know what kind of, what kind of example do I want to leave behind? What do I? I, yeah, I want to be a living memorial while I'm in the earth. And when I leave this earth and go to be with Je and, and, and go to be with the Lord, when I leave this earth, I want, I want the fragrance of my life to leave a deposit that pointed people to the Father. And so I'm, I'm, I'm realizing I don't want to be. You know, I, I, I'm at this place where kind of like the Apostle Paul, I buffet myself. And I, in, other, in other words, I, I, I rein my flesh in and, 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 you know, not allow myself. How can I put this? How can I put this? Um, you know, not allowing myself in the realm of my, my attitudes and, and my, 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 the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart not allowing it to, to become hardened and harsh and bitter. Because recognizing that, that what I do and what I say and what I think is, is, is very much sending a message. And it's very much creating an atmosphere. You ever walk into a room where someone just has a bad attitude and it sucks all the air out of the room? <laughs> so you walk in and you just feel like, like it's almost too heavy to breathe because someone's in there like this. You know, like I said, like, like someone spit on their cornflakes. They're offended. They're angry. And it's just, it's almost, it feels oppressive. 
Folks, your very, our very attitude creates an atmosphere. Our very attitude. I can walk into a room with a bad attitude, and, and it can create an atmosphere. The words I speak, Wes touched on this just before they were left for vacation. The words I speak, speak life or death over myself, over my family, over you. Oh, words are important. Truly. But the words of my mouth, Lord, the meditation of my heart. Wow. See, it's about living with purpose. Really living with purpose. And I, 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 your will be done. Your will be done. Your desire be done. Father, Abba, Father, your desire, your, your desire that you as a father want me to come and participate in with you. Let it be done. See? That will change everything. It will change the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. And I'll be that living memorial to show forth his goodness and to point people back to father. You see? And that's what we that's why he plants us in families. He's showing forth his glory. That's why he put us together. <laughs> you see? There's a reason and a purpose. And so I just want to challenge you with those words today. And um, don't quite know how to bring the plane in for a landing. You got some words? Yeah, yeah, I, I just feel like maybe there's more. I just, this is so good. I'm just thinking here, you know, meditating on what Psalm 92 said. And just about, I, I want to re-emphasize something that Stu was just saying at the end because it, it has to be the foundation of everything we do. Otherwise, we will just become another church community that's doing traditional church things because it's a heart posture. It's, you know, uh, we meet on a Sunday for a certain amount of time with worship and a word and some gifts showing. That's not very different from other places around Maine, Right. And what the difference is, is the heart posture and the motive of why we do the things that we do. And I can't control that in you. You can't control that in me. That's something that the, the Father has to touch in each of our hearts to uproot and cut off religion in our lives. And I think because many of us have, maybe many of us, I, I think most of us have grown up in church settings and so it's very easy to fall back into tradition and religion because that's what we've known. That's what we've walked in. And the Father's calling us into something different where we're, we're emphasizing, emphasizing being planted in his house, his family, the church, and that that's where we'll flourish individually and corporately and our families will flourish in community. That's his design but we won't flourish, even if you come every Sunday and to every event during the week. You will not flourish if your motive is to just show up at events. You also won't flourish if you decide not to do any of those things and say, well, I'm not giving in to just doing things. You won't flourish. The reason being is the heart motive underneath it all. It's only the Father's love that's going to produce flourishing in our lives and in our families and in this community. So if I'm saying, you know, I, I remember um, early on in my 
not in my walk, I'd been walking with the Lord for a while, but just in my journey of growth and maturity, I was probably 16, 17 years old, and I was leading worship at youth storm type things, which is where the crossing got planted out of this youth ministry uh, uh, group. And I remember being struck by this thing, like, oh, I'm so arrogant, and (laughs) when I worship, it's all about me, and I felt so guilty, and oh, man, I got to step down, I got to step back and stop worshiping because of how much junk is in my heart. And I went to one of the leaders there, and I said, you know, I'm really struggling. I I notice I have a lot of pride, and I'm thinking about myself a lot when I'm singing, and um, and I think I just need to step down. And, and they said something so profound that marked me at a, as a teenager. And they said, I, I really don't think you need to step down. I think you need to receive the Father's love. And as you receive his love, he's going to change your heart motive in the midst of you serving him and giving your love and your life back to him. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that is so profound, and I started to do that as I worshiped. I just began to say, oh, Father, this is all about you, and my mindset began to shift, and my motive began to shift as I was still participating in what he was calling me to do, and I think a lot of times we think we have to pull back because I'm just not good enough. I'm not where I'm at, and again, it's just the motive. If we don't have our motive right, it will become works, and I I can't change that for you. You might be in this healthy church community as we're getting healthy and it still be works for you because of your motive, because of your heart posture. I can't change that. We can't change that. It's got to be the heart thing where I'm saying the Father loves me. And because of that, and I'm receiving that just regularly, he loves me. His love is so profound that then my life, I desire to pour it out. I desire to know him more. I desire to be in relationship. And that's, that g- becomes harder the more you grow in leadership in the church because <laughs> you take on more responsibility and there are practical things that have to get done for a community to function. And that needs to be guarded all the more. If you don't have it now, you're going to fall into tradition then but by the grace of God. You know, we need that. And I w- uh, because we constantly emphasize here that this family, God keeps bringing us more and more leaders. We have so many leaders here that your, your gift set, your maturity, your walk with the Lord, it displays its leadership. And we have to emphasize this over and over and over again. Otherwise, we will raise up leaders who then just perpetual, perpetuate a religious cycle that we do not want and get stuck in schedules and responsibilities and forget about relationship and the Father's love w- through which all of those things will flow. If I'm grounded in the love of God and in relationship with people and this family, then I will do my responsibilities and I will be able to flow within a structure in a healthy way that produces life in me, not death. So if you find that things that are happening, oh, it just feels like I'm being drained and I just, oh, it's it's pulling from me, it's hard. I would encourage you, I think, the reason is the Father's love, that you just need a fresh douse. I just need a fresh douse of the Father's love to revive me 
in what I'm, he's called us to do, where he's planted us, and what he's asking us to be involved in. So I want to encourage that just even as we end today. This is going to, I think we're going to be talking about this for a bit because it's, it has to be the emphasis. It has to be our foundation. If you're feeling burnt out, it's probably not the things you're doing. It's lack of the Father's love. I can't <laughs> emphasize that enough. There's that saying that it went out, I think, from IHOP, International House of Prayer, lovers will always outwork workers. A, a lover of God isn't just someone who sits and does nothing all day and, oh, worship, and, and that's all I'm going to do because that's loving God. No, the Bible says loving God is our obedience. We show him our love through our obedience. It's action. It, it's involvement. It's participation. But a lover will always outwork a worker because they're doing it out of the motive of love, so therefore their life is just flowing, they're flourishing, they're energized. And I'm speaking because of experience. I've been burnt out before. I've worn myself thin. I, I literally was told by leaders at when I served at Street Life that I was forced to take a month break because <laughs> I was so burnt out. Every day I would get up and I would go in to serve at the ministry, and then I'd go into the bathroom, and I'd sit on the floor and sob. I can't do this anymore. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. And then they forced me to go on a sabbatical for a month. That was not because the work I was doing was too much. It was because I lacked the Father's love, and I had slowly just moved in, morphed into this works mindset. And I couldn't sustain it. It, it. it won't sustain you. It won't sustain you. And we're emphasizing these things, too, because we're, we're about to explode. I mean, we're on the brink of it with harvest. And if that makes you think, oh, I want to run and hide. I don't want more responsibility. I don't want more people. I don't want more blah, 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 X, Y, or Z. That's an internal thing that needs to be solved by the love of the Father. And he's ready. He is so ready to love you there. He's so ready to speak and to touch those places. I don't know about you. I think, well, I think I know about some of you at least, but I know for myself I'm very tired of religion. <laughs> very, very tired of religion. I'm tired of just tradition and doing things to do things. And um, I mean, we've had our full of that. I don't want that. I, I believe most in this room, if not everybody, is tired of that. We want something real, and we want to feel the life and energy of God, like that scripture was saying. And if that's not what you're feeling, I just want to encourage you throughout this week, reach out to someone in the family and say, pray with me. I need to receive the Father's love. If you feel like that's even too hard to do on your own, I don't know how to receive his love. I don't know what that's going to look like. Well, when you're meeting with your sound doctrine group, say, guys, can you pray with me or pick up the phone and text somebody or call somebody? That's relationship. That's putting the right things in the right place. Say, I need prayer. I, I need to receive his love. Can you help me? Let's just take five, ten minutes and receive it. Does that sound good? I encourage you. I, 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 I beg you, like as Paul says, I beg you to do this. Because without it, we will all just wither up and die. <laughs> and nobody wants that. I don't want it. I don't want it for myself. I don't want it for anybody here. 
that any of us would go in that direction. Amen. Oh, Father, we just thank you for your incredible love that's constant toward us in every season, that you're ever ready to pour your love on us and into us and refresh us, that that's not a lie, that that's not fake, it's real, that you truly desire to refresh us in the way only you can. I just keep sensing there's such a weariness. I, I know I've, I've dealt with it myself, a weariness that's settled in, and, and the Father wants to refresh, and only he can do it. Watching television, relaxing, those things are fine, but they're not going to touch the place of refreshing that must come from the Father. It must come from his love and communion with him. So, Father, I ask that you would bring us into that place, even this week of connection with one another, relationship, to be refreshed in the love, be refreshed in truth, in the deep places that are weary, that are tired, that are overwhelmed. I thank you that you're ready and willing for that. In Jesus' name.